welcome to episode 120 of Blue Jays Happy Hour. I'm Nick Ashbourne, joined as always by Andrew Stoughton. And sometimes we come to you after big Blue Jays moments in the heat of the moment. And on this occasion, circumstances have meant that we have had an opportunity for sober second thought. I don't know if that's a positive or a negative. <laughs> uh, I think some people are probably wanting something a little bit more charged, potentially, because that's how they were feeling. Maybe at this point, that's not. Stoughton, what is, I don't know, your first thought on all of this? Uh, you're considered after, you know, close to 24 hours thought on all of this, how this is just shaken out for you. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm, taking these, uh, these hours has been nice. I have not really been super plugged into uh, the discourse. Uh, thankfully, I, I caught a little bit of it this morning when I logged onto Twitter for the first time. Um, it didn't look good out there. <laughs> Uh, and why would it? I mean, this was a, a dispiriting loss. It was, uh, you know, typical, typi typifying of a team that's been, you know, really frustrating all year and hasn't, uh, hasn't played to its potential, hasn't showed up in, in big moments. And, um, you know, that's, that's the way that their season ended. It's not really surprising to me, uh, that they did not give a good account of themselves in, in, uh, Minnesota. I don't think it'll be surprising to anybody, but also, you know, uh, I, you got to turn the page. Maybe this is too quick, but we're already sort of starting to think about the off season, I guess. Um, I don't know if there are huge questions for this team. I think, I, you know, I was joking or half joking on a uh, previous episode about, you know, how funny I thought it's going to be that they're probably going to look pretty similar next year. And uh, I think I still have to stand by that. They, uh, they were a team that hit and pitched and fielded well. Uh, it just was not uh, their year. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who want to see it all burn to the ground, and that's just not how this works with the team. When you have a team of this quality, and I know of this quality to some people at this time doesn't feel very impressive, um, but when you have a team that is in a you know a contending mode, and you have guys who in theory, you're supposed to be able to build around. And, I mean, I think that's up for maybe a little bit more debate, not because of these two games, more so because of the season as a whole. Um, you don't really tear something like this down. And also, well, while they will have some financial resources in the offseason, you know, reuse contract is coming off the book, so is Chapman, so is Belts. We don't know exactly how they're going to work their payroll you could probably get at least one, you know, pretty prominent player in here, star level player in here, potentially, if you're willing to kind of cheap out in some other spots. But you're not, you know, there isn't another Vladdy and Bo that's going to show up next season, like, unless David Schneider is really that guy. <laughs> um, like, it, it's going to be the same thing. What Like, in 2023, what it was, was kind of tinkering around the edges of this group in a way that changed the style, in a way people did not like, in a way that ultimately did not work. And you're probably going to see kind of the same thing again. Now, it, it like it might be sort of a admission of failure tweak where they go get another outfielder to play left field after Kiermaier leaves, they move Varsho over, and that guy's like bat only type, you know what I mean? Like they could end up doing some things with this team that they sort of had in 2022 anyway and sort of undoing some of the tweaks and I don't I don't feel like I know with the 100% confidence what's going to happen with John Schneider but I I'd, I'd be very surprised if they boot Ross Atkins because 
you know, I think fundamentally they've built a pretty decent team. And although everyone has hated that Jerry DePoto clip that went around, and understandably so, like it's, you know, it's boring and it's soulless. It's also like, you know, quasi appealing to, I, I don't know, to ownership, I think. I think if you sell ownership a vision of, we're going to be a pretty good team for a while here, and here's the statistical evidence to suggest that no one really knows what's happening in the playoffs, and we just need to keep getting into the hunt, and we'll keep giving you a winning product, and that'll sell tickets, and people will watch that team. I think that's a case that, you know, like, quote-unquote, like, non-baseball people could easily be pretty receptive to. I think that's absolutely true. I mean, you know, we saw some in the Texas series, uh, empty seats. Uh, so maybe it doesn't uh, it doesn't necessarily uh, work as planned, but um, I think basically it's right. You know, you're, people are going to keep watching. This is what the this is why the league expanded the playoffs. And uh, yeah, it is a soulless <laughs> way to view it. Um, but that's sort of where the industry has been has been headed or or has been for a long time. Uh, the Atkins thing. I mean, yeah, everybody seems to want to blow everything up. Uh, I can't say I see that. Uh, partly because, yeah, these guys have, these guys have done the things like the Depoto quote would uh, would suggest. You know, they they have been in the hunt. Uh, the playoff stuff is really disappointing, but it's also you know they've they've lost four games in the last two years in the playoffs. Like the they just they haven't had enough time in it to really show that they are uh, anything. Whether they're not good enough or not built well enough or don't have it in them to not get picked off in the playoffs or not run through a stop sign in the playoffs or whatever it is. Um, you know, I think a lot of people that, you know, to, will probably are, are also thinking about, you know, the internal operations and how things, how decisions get made. And we'll probably get into that, but, uh, you know, how, how John Schneider comes out and, and pulls Barrios at that stage and who is really making that decision. Uh, and you know, there's all this under the hood stuff that I think it makes it easier for people to, to hate on sometimes, you know, the, like, yes, everybody will get mad at the manager and they'll point fingers. Uh, at that one guy when things aren't going well, that's going to happen and, that's, and is happening as well. Uh, but there, but there does seem to be uh, this, the sense there that, you know, it's not even what, you know, Schneider's fault. It's not, he's being dictated to clearly things are going on there that are different uh, than what you would expect. They're unorthodox and not necessarily in a good way. You think about maybe even some of the you know, game planning stuff or the advanced scouting materials and what you have having watched this team work and all, you know, I don't know how much of that is, is there's a process problem or, or if it's anything. Um, but yeah, you know, guys not hitting with for power this year, the limp of offensive performance is so often, um, just the, the many, many guys who it feels like, uh, underperformed expectations, you know, there is, there, there should be, uh, you know, an internal reckoning for some of this stuff. Um, which might not necessarily mean and probably won't mean Ross Atkins or John Schneider going or anybody else necessarily, but that uh, that I think it doesn't deserve to be looked at and uh, and I can't talk anyone out of thinking something is rotten in there. Yeah, and you know, you pointed to the four games and everyone will point to the six games, but you know, I don't really right. think about that 2020 season no. in the same way. Like that wasn't, and you know, even a team like that, fuck it, can win a wild card series because you never know. But I that that was a very different team that you know mm -hmm. had, had a negative run differential like it wasn't a true contender it was a weird season uh, we can all be happy that we got to see any of that given the circumstances and got to have the Ryu experience and all that jazz um, it that for me that's not it that's not part of it 
2021 again you know great team i i think if anything weirdly like the crown jewel of what this front office has accomplished um you know people who are more 100 percent like ironclad results oriented will not accept that interpretation but that's my interpretation that's the best team they've ever built uh the cy young winner in the third place mvp guy uh <laughs> on one year deals yeah that's that's a pretty good that's a pretty good year for a front office and like hell they even reacted fairly quickly to the bullpen issues and made some trades for some guys earlier in the season than you generally see to try and stem the tide now they didn't go and get the guy at the top of the market and that's something they were reluctant to do until they did it with hicks this year so you can again it, obviously it wasn't perfect and it didn't work out um but i think that that's a good job and then you know last year also a good team and this year, like you said, people, it does, some processes do need to be interrogated. I think what got me about this series was just that it was like the ultimate dopamine hit in terms of confirmation bias. And I, like I wrote a piece <laughs> to this effect, like honestly, the greatest gift, the 2023 Blue Jays, I, I believe this, gave to their fan base was like the happiness that a bunch of people got to feel for feeling right because for most of the season (laughs) they felt miserable uh most of the season people were miserable about this team and in the end they got to feel like all the misery they had wrapped up in the team some of which was logical misery some of which was illogical misery and misery kind of based on some misinterpretations. But at the end of the day, it's a feeling and we're here to validate feelings. We're not here to invalidate (laughs) feelings. And so like those feelings were real. And then they got to see that paid off with like a very bizarre version of catharsis where, yeah, it all went down the tubes. But like, you know, I, I saw a lot of tweets today, a lot of things and mentions and, you know, I did not read everything that was commented on, but a lot of like, I'm kind of glad it's over from people and not people being dicks about it necessarily. Like I think people were genuinely kind of glad it was over and it and it ended in a way where, yeah, people who felt like, oh, this team, maybe some of their hitting stats are okay, but they can't hit good pitching. Well, boom, confirmed. Okay, this team doesn't have attention to detail. Boom, confirmed. I'm not saying confirmed in the sense I actually believe those things because, again, I just don't think you can learn much about a baseball team in two games. Like I just don't think that's really possible. Um, but man, like they could not have done more <laughs> to hammer home the criticisms. Like they couldn't have done more. It's very, very true. It's, it's incredibly true. Um, you know, and as someone, uh, who has been you know, on the, on the, the, the positive side of things for this team, it, it's very noticeable. Um, yeah. How, how that this, the, it was the team that they that, that everybody was sort of afraid uh, they were, and that they you know they've sort of uh, like you say not not necessarily proved, but yeah, it's uh, I, I'm I'm just trying not to say exactly what you just said because that that was absolutely bang on. They they have validated a lot of negative feelings about this team, uh, which might necessitate a move, which might necessitate some change. Um, I don't tend to think that's how that works. I, you know, I think if there were going to be wholesale firings, we might have been already hearing about it by now. Um, so, you know, it's something people I think are just going to have to learn to live with, and I hope they live with it a little bit better next year when they see the projections that are going to have them right up there with the Orioles, with the Rays, at the top of the American League East projections. Supposed to be a playoff team. I hope that you know, I hope that the team does better. I hope that Vlad figures it out and isn't 
you know, the 15th best first baseman in terms of hitting in the league because that's, you know, an issue. Um, I think he should still be around. I'm sure he'll be around. Uh, Bo as well. But, the you know, the talk, the clock is ticking. And I think, you know, people understandably figure, you know, not, not, not that it's a good thing, but yeah, that it's, I'm happy that this one's over and they can try it again one more time. And if it doesn't work, then who knows where we go from there. But it might be without those two guys, which means without a lot of people, I think. Well, it's interesting, too, because, you know, coming into the season and, you know, even for parts of the season, if you asked a Blue Jays fan, like, what do you think they should do about Bo and Vladdy, like, in terms of extending them? People would be disappointed that they hadn't been extended already, right? Like, that was probably the prevailing Mm -hmm. thought. And now if you ask someone, like, oh, do you think they should lock up Vladdy or Bo on these massive contracts – I think sort of the knee-jerk reaction against Bo will probably dissipate. People understand that he had a strong year, and as unorthodox as he is, he continues to put together strong performances. But I don't think a lot of people are clamoring to extend Vladi. I mean, I would do it because I think you can get a good price on him now. Uh, but <laughs> but I, I mean, good relatively speaking. Like I, I, I always like good value. I like a buy low. Um, <laughs> But that's changed. I think that people are, yeah, they're kind of souring on this era and that's understandable. And, you know, the, a lot of the best opportunities are in the past and the guys are getting more expensive and some of the money that you're going to have coming off the books, again, it's not a salary cap league. You can always just spend, but that's not how it works either. Teams set budgets for themselves. A lot of this money is going to go to some of these players getting more expensive as they go through arbitration. I mean, Bo's getting more expensive. He has a, a firm contract locked in, but he's getting more expensive. Vladdy's going to get more expensive. Like, it's not George Springer is only going to get older. Like, it's not getting the vet, you know, the pitching staff is probably going to be worse. Like, I, I, people always kind of assume if performances are good, they'll hold up forever, and performances are bad, they'll regress to the mean. That's not how it works. Like, they're probably not going to have the same pitching staff next year. So in terms of the quality of results, at the very least. It's very hard to get those kind yeah, of results. I mean, they've yeah, they barely ever had them in sort of the history of the franchise. So <laughs> it's it's a difficult predicament where you might be seeing, I don't know, you're going to be seeing a lot of the same characters, but then the, the results could easily be different. But I get why people feel right now that the results are kind of going to be the same because that's what they've seen. and. Yeah, I don't know. They're like again, there's not a lot I can convince you if you're listening that if they run this back with approximately the same thing and some tweaks, it's going to be totally different. And I'm not even saying that I firmly believe that, but I also think that there isn't really another alternative course of action from a big picture perspective. We I mean, we'll we'll talk in the off season about what's the right signing, what's the wrong signing. I'm sure maybe we'll make a trade here and there. Like, is it the right one? There's opportunity cost, there's a whole different bunch of avenues you can take. I don't want to sound like, oh, well, the offseason will be nothing. There will be some interesting things that go on in this offseason. But if we're talking about like a franchise direction, uh, this is the the direction you're going to see is the direction that you've been seeing. And that's something that's going to be tough for some people to stomach. I think that's true. And and yeah, I think that, that there isn't that big lever to pull to really dramatically change things outside of, uh, you know, moving on from Vlad or Bo, um, which I just, you know, because, you know, I, I think you're right. Obviously, people have soured a bit on Vlad and and I would probably extend him myself. I think that, you know, for all of the reasons that 
should be apparent, which is that you just the 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 hitting is the talent that's there. Even though it didn't add up to the results we wanted this year, I think will it still bodes well to uh, to be a very good big big league hitter. Maybe not as good as once once was hoped, but uh, but still a very good hitter. I, I think it's very it's basically impossible to price him at this point. Though, oh man, in yeah. Terms of, you know, what like like that's that that's probably what's going to uh, prevent that from happening, if anything, at this point. Um, Bo, I think, is simpler and is expensive, and uh, you know, I think people have genuine fears about uh, the kind of player he might become if the bat loses a little bit of speed. And uh, you know, the defense did seem to get better this year. It's still you know, middle of the pack. Um, you know, I, I don't have any concerns about that because you just you can't get you can't get more talent than that uh, for you know the basically ever anywhere. You know, this is a, an all star shortstop, but it's just one of the rarest things in the game. So yeah, they there it's a it's a Backward step to lose either of those guys, I think, especially on, on you know pre-free agency prices. So there's not much of a direction there unless it really is tear it all down, and which would be really you know anyone who watches the game and is semi-serious even would look at the structure of this roster and look at this team and say that that's an insane idea to to to, to actually tear it down. There's a lot of talent here, and and, and there's a lot of talent to be built around. Um, but yeah, we're getting and and so like you say, it's it's. It's going to uh, the direction is kind of already decided, and the the bigger one will have to come you know, when the Bo and Vlad uh, uh, contracts uh, reach the free agency point. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, it's an older team. It's certainly got flaws. There hasn't been, you know, David Schneider's little run there uh, aside. There hasn't been a ton to come from the farm system. There are a lot of there are a lot of things that you could look at this team and and. Uh, have trouble with and not not be not not look very kindly upon the folks running it uh you know if, if you were to make such an assessment so uh i think i think they get another year but the we are kind of talking about the potential for this whole thing to be winding down Oof, not looking forward to the to a deep rebuild either if that's ultimately where this goes which is kind of where you know unless you're the yankees which well, let's try that uh, that seems to be where uh, it always ultimately goes. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think you know, we're putting the card in front of the horse a little bit because little bit. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it does seem like ownership has been comfortable with spending over these years. Um, and, you know, fuck, if your whole thing is going to be about sustainability and being good enough, like you got to deliver on that. So maybe that becomes a focus. Maybe the last year of Vladdy and Bo becomes one where they – pursue opportunities to trade out of the roster and build back better than they did with that kind of 2017 2018 group there's a lot of variables there and i don't want to pretend like i know the answer to all of that because you know again as weird as it sounds like this could easily be an al east winner next year you know what i mean like it probably not like they, it does seem like they're kind of treading in this area it does seem like the whole you know the plan for this team was probably about these sort of years like it probably was mainly about 2021 to 2024 2025 and the majority of those years are gone but again you know you extend these guys that changes the calculus one of the guys who is kind of knocking on the door makes a bit you know like a, an Arelvis Martinez massive range of outcomes he hits could become a star like there's a lot there's just so much that can happen I think that what Blue Jays fans are maybe missing, and I would say Rogers has been a pretty supportive ownership group over the last little while. There's been plenty of valid criticism about the amount that's spent on this team in some years, but 
over the last little bit, if, if this front office has done anything, it's been able to convince ownership to support and spend for the team. And if you wanted that massive change, if you wanted the huge disruption in the Blue Jays, which I think, again, I, we both agree is probably not going to be the case, you probably would have needed that like crotchety, pissed off old single owner person. Like if there was one guy and he's like, Jesus Christ, I can't watch this anymore, blow it up. <laughs> like that's what you would have needed for this to go in some radical new direction. But again, like you're you're talking about corporate ownership that has, you know, it is a, the Blue Jays are a money machine. Like they draw from a viewership standpoint on TV extraordinarily well. They have a whole country to draw on from a constituency standpoint. The attendance was up this year in part because of the new renovations, but they'll have more renovations to show off next year. It's just, I mean, I don't know, doing anything that is likely to, that's really high variance for the Blue Jays, I'll put it that way. Doing something that's really high variance or risky is not good business. And that doesn't mean that like it's a stupid idea necessarily. Like if there was some kind of opportunity to move one of their big guys and get two guys that fit better and spread the talent through the lineup or something like if there was some baseball move that made sense i'm not saying that none of them could but if i am the ownership of this team i see the potential revenue here and my first thought isn't let's rattle all the cages <laughs> no i think that's probably fair i do worry about uh you know edward rogers and and Whatever he's getting up to, and and uh, you know, and you're absolutely correct that it has been uh, a good period for them in terms of ownership support. Uh, I, I just have a fundamental distrust of the man <laughs> that it, that it will last forever. Well, you know, once the once the checks start clearing for uh, the fancy new luxury boxes or whatever the fuck they're putting in, uh, you know, how how much does he need Mark Shapiro at that point? How much does he need to have a, a payroll over two hundred million dollars to pay the pay the luxury tax? Um, I, you know, he hasn't, his benevolence hasn't quite, uh, been sold to me yet. Well, I mean, benevolence is, is always the wrong word in these types of situations. <laughs> I think it's, it's about, it's, you know, it's about self-interest really. Like again, the Blue Jays do not have an ownership group that is some Mike Illich type who is just in love with the team and desperate for a championship and doesn't really care about the financial implications. They don't have that. But when you have an ownership group that is motivated primarily or you might even say exclusively by making money like there is there is an incentive of some kind to put a decent product on the field because that will make more money that will create more attendance especially in this time where they have the newness of the ballpark is it a guarantee that at some point down the line they might think that you know they've squeezed everything out of it and there's not enough hope of you know the playoff revenue and various things that you get for having a competitive team like you know they're they're doing that calculation all the time they're always doing the calculation of like how much is it worth us spending on this team uh in a very precise way that's probably more cynical than fans would like to hear and is um is not really keeping people's emotions in mind they're not doing it to keep anybody happy they're doing it what is the best way to make money here? Um, but it does seem like for now, the best way to make money is to stay competitive while this, yeah, while all this ballpark stuff is happening, while they have marketable stars, while the television ratings are good. Like if you blew up this team and and just tried something totally different, 
there's a subset of fans that would be happy with that, but I don't think it's going to, but then, you know, you're winning, you know, 485 winning percentage. I don't think that actually leads to better attendance. I think that being uh, (laughs) competitive, but odious to a small subset of particularly angry fans uh, is probably the way to go. Can't disagree on that one. I think that, yeah. And and that's probably why that's what we're going to see. All right. But we should probably get into a little bit of the details of this one. I don't. <laughs> I thought we were going to make it without it. leave it, yeah, it totally aside. Um, and it might be what people wanted to hear off the top. But I do think that it's good to, to some degree, look ahead. Um because you know, I've, honestly, it's probably less painful for anyone too. Like people don't want to dwell on this loss necessarily, but you know we got we have a responsibility. We have a con- constituency much smaller than the Blue Jays themselves, uh, and it, you know you got to be on the record about these sort of things. And uh, as you all recall, who are listening, I'm almost certain most of you guys were to some degree uh, tuned into this game. Uh, there was a, a starting pitcher by the name of Jose Barrios, who the Blue Jays pay <laughs> a great deal of money to. And he, he was cruising, he was dealing, whatever, whatever adjective you want to use to describe his performance as valid. Like he was, he was looking as good as he's looked this season and the team opted to remove him in the fourth inning for Yusei Kikuchi. And that resulted in the two runs that were scored in the entire game being scored. Now, you know, there's plenty of times they could have possibly scored some of those runs back. Vladdy could not have been picked off. That Matt Chapman foul liner that would have been a double if it was a foot to the right might have dropped in. And like this could have been erased in a variety of ways. Kikuchi was not necessarily doomed to have a poor performance. It's very easy to believe that. And yet, like th- those are kind of the sanity qualifiers I want to throw out there. <laughs> I... I hated this decision the moment it happened. And it's I, like, I, <laughs> and I, I think I have a tweet in history that would have the correct timestamp for, to indicate I hated this decision the moment it happened. And a lot of people want to make this an eyeballs versus analytics discussion. Um, Cause analytics uh, makes for yeah. a nice, a nice straw man. It's, you know, some people don't have a strong understanding of analytics and they feel like they have a stronger understanding of seeing what's on the field and getting an accurate interpretation of it. Um, and so it's easy for them to be mad at things that seem to happen for analytical-based reasons. Uh, I don't know. We don't have to dive into all the psychology of why people don't like analytics, but they don't. And it's easy to say this was made by the numbers and therefore, and it did not work out and it's a bad decision. My contention was that it wasn't a very well thought out strategy to me because the the purpose here to bring Kikuchi in was to take some of these lefties out of the game, like Kirilov and Walmer. They're both awful against left-handed pitchers. So the Blue Jays get to do one of two things. It's either, oh, the Twins are going to take these guys out of the game. They're going to have less flexibility later. Uh, they lose these valuable bats. That would be nice. That's one possibility. Or B, they're going to leave these guys in the game and we're going to get basically like a free inning here where the Twins have almost no chance of doing anything offensively. The problem is that like column A is what happened. The Twins lost the hitters. But first of all, you start with Kepler. Kepler's actually been pretty good against lefties this year, like above average hitter Mm -hmm. against lefties. 
So you've made Kepler marginally less effective in theory. Fine. Then you end up with the first guy, which is Kirilov, and they go to Solano, who has been good against lefties, you know, not to an outrageous degree. He's not an unbelievable player. And then you've got Correa after that. So in exchange for getting these bats out of the game, you're saying we're going to put a starter who has not been in the bullpen all year in. We're going to have a man on base with none out, a situation with a run ex- expectancy over a run already, just to begin with. And a run is pretty disastrous <laughs> at this point, uh, just the way the team is going. And we're going to give them three bad matchups in a row so that like later in the game, we might be able to play matchups against you. And it's like, okay, cool. But Kikuchi has to survive all these bad <laughs> matchups for that to work. Like it, and then like all of that supposes that there isn't really a value to leaving Barrios in the game, which you know would give you more flexibility later because you'd have more you know more tools to use potentially. And there's just like there's everything indicating that he's killing it. And it's not just me looking at the screen and saying, "Oh, he he looks good. Wow, nice." It's like. You can look at the location of his pitches. He's absolutely painting. You can look at the velocity of his pitches. They're well above his season averages. You can look at the swings the Twins were putting on the pitches. They were swinging at about half the pitches outside the strike zone. Like, they were not seeing him well. And the exit velocity off him was nothing, even though he'd given up a couple hits. And, like, yeah, I get that that stuff isn't definitive. It's small sample size. You work through the order more and more. Guys get a better look. But we're talking about the second time through the order. Like, if this was the third time through the order... And this was the gambit. I'm, you know, again, you can have that. You can have a debate, and that is more about eyes versus analytics. But I just felt like there is so much concrete evidence to suggest that Prius is doing well. And in order to make this whole thing work, you're living and dying by your fourth starter navigating a very difficult situation. Yeah, <laughs> can't disagree there. I mean, hated it is not is not is stronger than I would go with. Uh, I you know it, it didn't care that much, uh, but wouldn't have done it myself. <laughs> didn't, didn't particularly like it. Uh, for you know, had I had it occurred to me, it would have hopefully been for many uh, many of the reasons you cite. Like yeah, I, I think you put it very succinctly in saying that you know, looking at it as having to ask your fourth starter. Uh, to get through a bunch of uh, tough matchups for it to for it to have worked, um, the analytics thing is very is very funny to me. I retweeted part of of this earlier. Jared Seidler, who uh, uh, writes for Baseball Prospectus, uh, I'm just going to read it out. A fun part about the analytics debate is that almost every time one of these analytics moves, quote unquote, blows up, uh, people who are current and who are good at current analytics are going, what the, what the fuck did they do that for? The only people defending it are caricatures of 2012 baseball perspective behind the box score fangrass writers. He says, sometimes those are literally the 2012 writers. Sometimes it's just people cosplaying them on the internet. But my feed yesterday as the Kikuchi move was happening was filled with the smartest public people in the game going, this is a huge mistake. Which, yeah, putting putting it down to analytics. I don't know what, I don't know what the analytic <laughs> metric is that suggests that's a good idea. Uh, because as you say, it's not the third time through the order penalty is real. Um, but it wasn't third time through the order. Um, odd, odd decision. Not, not really a huge fan of changing the way the game works. Um, you know, on the, the, your last game of the season, like, uh, yeah, I would have probably preferred to see Burrios in there. Um, 
and it's just weird. And like I said, off the top, you know, you have, it makes you have to think about the chain of these decisions and where it's coming from and whether, you know, that the people who are producing those kinds of things, which I don't think uh, is John Schneider, uh, whether they really got their their finger on the pulse, because that, that was a weird one. And as Jared says, you know, all of the public people in the game basically were like, what the hell is going on here? Uh, it wasn't, there was, there were not a lot of, uh, smart folks around being like, uh, I saw the, I saw the Mr. Burns, uh, it's called playing the percentages thing a couple times, but yeah, a bit of a baffling move there. A uh, bit of a straight, I mean, that's how modern, modern, you know, front offices and the managerial relationship seem to work. Right. I mean, I know I, I would get into this all the time with Charlie Montoyo stuff. Cause people hated Charlie, just like they hate Schneider. And a lot of the times it was like stuff this, like this isn't coming from him. He's not doing these things that you hate. Um, and it, it, it's weird. It's so weird. I think I tweeted you know, that that that's strange that uh, people want more power in the hands oh, of Schneider. It's a big they baby hate. face turn for uh, John Schneider in a weird way. Like it's not it's not going to actually work out <laughs> for him strange, over the long right? term in terms of how people feel about him. But it was the because it, and it's on the same night everyone was calling for him to be fired like it was truly bizarre it was like <laughs> this guy needs to be fired he's a bum this guy doesn't have enough power it's like wh what is it yeah it's how yeah how do you square those i don't know um but yeah well whoever's making the decisions smart yeah, I enough mean, okay. i guess it's, it's, it's like like don't like, like the, i've i've said about this front office for a long time is that too clever by half is a phrase that comes up in my mind about them a lot and that was just that's another like one for the scrapbook if you're gonna make this move and i get it the twins have these lefty bats and they've been worse against left-handed pitching in general your season is on the line you feel like this is an interesting gambit here where within a single inning maybe you can get a couple guys out for one the fact that barrios allowed a hit to start the inning not it was a walk sorry allowed a base runner to start the inning makes a difference because it makes the twins more likely to bring in these pinch hitters, which I don't know if that's what you want or not, but it makes the situation significantly more dangerous. Uh, that's what you want later in the game. Just yeah, put well, not with also you have the these two <laughs> lefties in your bullpen now, right? Like Cabrera has been really good and you have Mesa. So I like, if anything, I would, I would bring Mesa into that. But if that's what you're desperate to do, you could bring Mesa into that spot and try and get them out of the game that way and have a guy who's more likely who has come on with guys on base is more likely to get a ground ball, which is what you really need, especially earlier in that inning. Again, like I'm not even, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm arguing because I think it's a bad move overall and Barrios was doing well and yada, yada, yada. And Barrios has actually been not as terrible against lefties this year. And, you know, the two seam was working really well on the front door. Anyway, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think you need to dive too much further into it, but I just, I can envision why it might have seemed appealing but there's just not enough there to justify this when you're gonna go i don't know like, it, it does kind of suck that when you kind of when you go against convention the standards are much higher but also we have been playing baseball for like well over 100 years as well <laughs> um and there is some good precedent for you know there's a reason certain tactics are generally used and not used and reinventing the wheel uh, yeah, I guess it maybe it is fair. Maybe it is fair that you need to. There's a higher standard for proof of concept there when it's just not what uh, anyone would do. And yeah, it, it was it was interesting to see that 
happen just kind of in real time people's reactions to that because like you said absolutely no one i saw was in favor of this move and then when the jays go down by two runs like no one believed they were coming back and to some degree like it's silly like their run expectancy would have been in the kind of like 25 percent range for a lot of the game uh later and then when chapman had that big at bat it probably would have cranked up a little bit but it never like just because of the way this team has poisoned people's minds and just because of, you know, some of it justifiably, there was just never any, like so many people seem to believe that it was over in that moment. And we'll never know how the players, I mean, we know what Whit Whit Merrifield felt about it, which is great because he's out the door. (laughs) Like, I think that's awesome. Like, why why not just take a shot for, uh, um, for old time's sake? There's no, I don't know. There's very little reason to believe he'd be back with the Blue Jays. So, Make your voice heard, Wit, but uh, I, I, yeah, I have to imagine that there is some level of psychology there with the players questioning the wisdom and what was going on, and you know, and people and Buck, I think, in the broadcast at the time talked about on the twin side about that team getting energy or feeling emboldened by the fact that a pitcher that they were really struggling against was leaving the game as well, and so even if you could play the numbers to a stalemate in terms of the justification and playing the percentages or whatever, which again, I'm, I'm kind of disinclined to believe that's the way it works. Even if you could do that, you know that the other side of it that you'll never capture or whatever the human element side, it's not going in your favor. Nobody's excited. No one like the, the, the dugout of the blue Jays is not like fired up that here comes Yusei Kikuchi. Like, in, <laughs> they don't have no. to be fired up constantly to succeed, yada, yada, yada. But it, and I don't think that that's why they lost. I don't think that that's why it was a bad move. I explained to the best of my ability kind of the logic why I didn't like the move. But that part of it is to some degree and will not know what degree, to some degree real. And that part of it was clearly a big blunder on their part. Like, I, I mean, it seems like there was no consideration given to that part. And I don't know if, how much needs to be, but maybe mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Eight percent instead of zero. <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah, it. Um, you know, I, I we think about the game and and do kind of go through the analytical lens and look at more numbers and stuff like that uh, than maybe many other people do. Um, and so we're sort of bought in on these these things, but it, it, I do find I always have to remind myself, you know, the, like yeah, the players are are closer to to human <laughs> than myself, um, and they're going to react to weird, unorthodox things. Uh, maybe not with the same sort of uh, okay, interesting. <laughs> what, what's the pro- what's the thought process here? Uh, reaction that I might they are probably going to react like Twitter might. Uh, and yeah, you could, it could not possibly, uh, have, have gone over very well, I think, um, which absolutely is a reason it should be considered, even if it's, uh, even if it did have, like you say, the, the tight statistical reasoning and logic behind making such Is there a anything else you want to touch on from this game before we go? I mean, I, we could do some brow beating of Vladdy for getting picked off and like, you know, it truly was an insane time to get picked off, although... Uh, you know, Correa deserves some credit <laughs> yes. too. Like, it's weird because Correa's on the other end of both of these sort of horrific blunders in Blue Jays fans' eyes with Bichette going for home in game one and then Vladdy getting picked off in game two. Whereas if you're a Twins fan right now, you're like, 
man, Carlos Correa is awesome. Like that, that's your reaction to these plays, not like, wow, these Jays are mentally busted weaklings who can't do anything. Uh, right. It's like, oh yeah, we got this guy <laughs> with a platinum glove and he and he's been in the playoffs a ton and he gets it and he's sick. That's, I mean, again, the truth lies somewhere in between those two <laughs> I, things, I but I just think it's funny that if from a Blue Jays perspective, a lot of people are kind of negating the Carlos Correa component of all of this. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and the Twins fans probably would have liked to see him hit more this year. Uh, made, a, made up for it in a pretty big way there this series, though. Um, yeah, you know, quite... Uh, Quite a nice thing for the Twins to finally win a playoff game. Did not did not want it to be at the expense Yeah, I mean, of the a Jays, legit feel-good story. I mean, sometimes the story's just not about you. You know what I mean? Like, maybe the Blue Jays... I don't know why I'm making a wrestling comparison here as someone... It's, I think it's because I watched the Netflix <laughs> wrestling documentary, even though I don't really like wrestling at all, really. Oh, but there. I thought the documentary's well done, so there's a little <laughs> mini wreck for people wrestlers on netflix um but you know what like the blue jays were just like the jobber guys who come in to lose to make the other team look good uh and build up their storyline so you know it just wasn't the blue jays time to to win a belt or what i'm not going to go too far uh down the wrestling (laughs) hole it's probably inadvisable but you know in this year that's what the blue jays were they were the guys to come in and take a few clotheslines and get pinned in the first round and uh damn did they do a good job yeah, really, <laughs> Absolutely. Felt, really felt like, like it. They sold it. Someday, based on that performance, maybe the company will understand that they're uh, they're real talent there. <laughs> all right, we're gonna leave <laughs> it there. Thank you, everyone, for listening all season. I know for a lot of you guys who follow the Blue Jays, I mean, which is probably all you guys. I don't know how many listeners we have who just straight up don't follow the Blue Jays. You know, weird, weird move, but respect. <laughs> um, no, I, it's been a really difficult year for people. Like people. You know, they make the Blue Jays a really big part of their summer. Like, it it is a time commitment to follow a baseball team consistently and stay up to date on it and watch it, you know, whatever percentage of the games you're going to be watching. Like, it's easy for a baseball team to be this intrinsic part baked into your summer. And the Blue Jays did not deliver in 2023 what you would have wanted from that experience. And I think a lot of people listening to us right now are feeling sour about that and that's totally justifiable and as much as in this podcast we're often advocating for you know more logical thinking more long-term thinking um you know cutting out our biases things like that not that we're perfect any of that it's also okay to just feel like this sucked and i think that's what a lot of people are feeling right now and (laughs) and what they felt for a lot of the year and so if you took time to listen to this despite you know potentially having animosity about this team and the way it ended um we're really appreciative of that and we uh we're gonna go dark here for a minute and let the other baseball teams do their thing and write their story and i'm sure we'll talk to you another time